everybody, and welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 516, recording today, Wednesday. Now, what is it? It's the 6th of December, uh, 2017. Uh, this is a podcast dedicated to all things music technology, uh, all that kind of stuff. It has uh, controllers, software, analog synthesizers, all of those things uh, that are to do with music technology. And I uh, want to say welcome uh, to our sponsors. Thank you very much, Isotope, for uh, providing the prize, which is a copy of Ozone 8. You'll be able to win that. And we also will be announcing the winner from that sh- uh, last week's show as well. So please do stay tuned for that. Uh, first of all, uh, we're going to say hello to our guests. So I'm going to start. We have a brand new guest. Uh, this is Mr. Yoad Navo, who is in uh, his studio in London. Yoad is uh, basically... Uh, I'd say, I think, would you say superstar mixer and producer was a bit over the top, or would you be happy with that uh, particular um, description? Um, Well, if you say that, then (laughs) I wouldn't mind. (laughs) Excellent. Well, (laughs) Yoad, of course, I mean, this is your facility that you're in at the moment, right? Yes, it is. Is that an SSL in front of you, or am I not? uh, It's actually an EVE. It's an EVE um, V51. From eighty, most of it is from eighty four. Although it's actually, I don't know if you can see that, but it's uh, yeah, it has more channels. It's sixty channels, and that's only. It was seventy two, but I could only fit sixty in this room. So, uh, but I made it out of two two discs. Wow! One from eighty four, and one from um, actually one from eighty one. Sorry, one from eighty one, and one from eighty four but they're kind of integrated together. So as most of the stuff you're doing there, I mean, are you working on mixes or tracking? I mean, what's the kind of bulk of your your work? Um, it's quite diverse because uh, I do anything from writing to mastering and all of the, all of the you know, between, but I also um, develop uh, plugins and other products for, for Waves. Uh, mainly and um, so it's quite diverse so I do a lot of mixing a lot of mastering a lot of production work that sometimes involved me involves me in writing in writing but sometimes not um, yeah that kind of stuff so every day I would do a few different things uh, this wonderful uh, times we live in allow me to move between different stuff um in one day so i would mix something for two hours then i would go and do something else do a bit of mastering um do a bit of something else i can use the analog the the analog desk obviously mainly for recording but also for summing so the way i have it set up is that it's uh, it it works like a huge uh, summing mixer and which allows me to recall mixes very quickly because i just line up the the fader the faders with tones and then i'm back in the mix so that's yeah i was going to ask you about that because obviously i mean analog consoles are great but they've got that uh, irritating habit of having their settings changed with every session that you do yeah no so i definitely need to uh to check usually it's fine but i need to check the so i have a like a calibrate session which i load in logic and that um throws uh, minus 18 dbfx tones to all the faders and then i make sure that usually it's fine but sometimes it needs a little bit you know it's a living kind of organism so sometimes <laughs> things change and uh but it's it's definitely worth it because the sound is 
you know. Oh yeah, amazing. well, the, it's funny. People, that, it's forgotten, isn't it? In many ways, that uh, you know, now that SSL has become this kind of like uh, holy grail. Back in the eighties, the SSLs were considered to be cold and harsh and digital, and Neve was the Absolutely. thing to have. You know, it was bizarre Absolutely. how things turn around. Absolutely, yeah. It's you know, I I always loved. Um, mixing on neat desks but mainly old ones 80 68 and 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 things like that i i never liked the the vr uh mixing on vrs great for recording though but i when i used to work kind of not hybrid but fully analog i used to to mix on ssls because it's just an amazing uh, and and still when i because i do like 90 percent of my mixes in the box and then i would use ssl emulations because that's the main that's my main kind of tool so i just work on ssl stuff almost on on every channel right but then you run it through the desk and you get this this warmth and and kind of width and, yeah, uh, no, absolutely. Yes, I mean, but, anal yeah. analog summing is the way to go. Well, um, lovely to have you, Joel. We look forward to speaking to you Thank more you. in a moment. Um, we also got, um, we haven't had him for a little while, it's uh, Daddy Div Kid Ben Wilson. How are you, Ben? <laughs> and of course, still Very a good, new... Yeah. Excellent. Ben, uh, DivKid, of course, YouTuber, uh, a channel on YouTube, covers a lot of modular and synthesis topics. And uh, yeah, what have you been up to then, Ben? Yeah, a lot of that. It's, it's funny you mention uh, Daddy Div Kid. That's I've just mentioned in the YouTube chat. You know, hi everyone, how's it going? And that's the first thing: getting enough sleep. Are you getting enough sleep? <laughs> um, you look yeah, all right. I am. Thank <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, as, as far as I usually go, yeah, um, yeah, getting enough sleep. Uh, just lots and lots of modular videos. All the stuff trying to get in there before Christmas, I guess. People wanting things announced before now. Obviously, coming in January. Um, so yeah, new AGH products, uh, a new Spring Reverb, um, the Intelligel Rainmaker. I did some stuff for Future Music Magazine, just doing some follow-up for that. Um, yeah, just lots and lots of modular sim stuff. Excellent. Well, great Beautiful. to have you. Great to have you aboard as ever. And of course, we have Mr. Steve Hillier, uh, who's gradually coming into contrast focus as the sun goes down behind him <laughs> in his Christmas grotto, with I'm told the glow of a of, of a real fire to his uh, his stage left. Yeah, we keep it kind of cozy down here in Brighton. I just wanted to um, to build uh, on something that um, we just mentioned before about um, summing in the SSL desk and um, and sort of splitting out components of a mix. Something that uh, I discovered in the last couple of months, I've been doing uh, quite a few live shows. Um, I had to change how I was um, uh, sort of sorting out my individual tracks coming out of Ableton Live uh, for a variety of different reasons, and I I. I did a little experiment, which was rather than sending my stereo mix out to the engineer and just hoping he or she could cope with that, splitting out the individual components into eight channels. Um, so it had all the percussion on a stereo pair, bass on one, and all that kind of thing. So it wasn't too complicated, but I mixed it so that the engineer could just pull up the faders in uh, like unity gain. So there was no real work for them to do unless they had to do some like a uh, sort of salvaging the sounds in eq and the difference in quality was extraordinary it really was so i, I just thought i'd mention this to recommend to anyone who's watching this who's uh, doing sort of live electronic stuff it's so tempting to send to a front front of house person uh, their stereo mix that they've assembled on stage but if you can just split it out a bit and give that engineer just the scope to jump in or, or just to let the mixing desk do its work the um, the results are 
well, it's an extraordinary leap forward, at least for me. Oh, that's really interesting. I, I guess that makes sense mm -hmm. because, I mean, a live situation, you're hearing it on about the biggest kind of air-moving thing, certainly you, for a while. So you're going to hear the difference much more sort of dramatically, right? Uh, yeah, I think that's it. And and plus also, um, you know, with the best swim in the world, you can't, if you're if you're standing on a stage and all you've got is a, a monitor or two, if you're lucky, pointing into you from the ground, you're really not getting a representation of what's coming out of the front of house. I and mean, this is something that would be obvious to most musicians, but maybe not so much to electronic people who are mainly used to working, uh, you know, in their small studios or bedrooms or whatever. Um, but then it was also just the fact that there seemed to be a retention of clarity in the parts by spreading it onto uh, separate channels, which I think is what Noah was saying before. And it certainly works in a live situation. So I would recommend that. I, really would. I can understand. I, I, I guess I'd imagine. I mean, because you've got a physical uh, ADC, uh, DAC, uh, sorry, a DAC coming out. And if you're putting everything through it, then you've got the fixed dynamic range of that single or that pair of outputs. Whereas if you, you're splitting out, they can occupy kind of more of the dynamic range, or maybe that's just. Uh, yeah, I, th I think that's true. And another thing, Nick, is if you're, um, if you're making changes to the mix live, if you're pulling up, you know, like a, a solo instrument or just something you want to draw more attention to, if you get things wrong at your end, all the engineer can do is, you know, mute you. Um, if, if you're just sending down like something absolutely terrible, but if it's something that's slightly out of control on just one channel, you've given them scope to you know find the offending instrument and adjust it so the show survives. If you know what I mean? Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, no top tip. Thank you very much. Uh, well, let's uh, let's crack on with a bit of news then. Uh, some sad news, ladies and gentlemen. I'm terribly sorry, but uh, this is now happening. That rather bleak yet short video with a sort of <laughs> with a dark message is news that the uh, Dreadbox Erebus, uh, which is a, one of my favourite uh, little mono synths, uh, is now being discontinued. They're going to keep producing it until stocks are over. But uh, that's it. I mean, a sh only two short years in uh, in the in the life of that synthesizer, and it's an interesting strategy to take. I'll come to you first, Johan. I don't know. Are you a? Kind of, I, I could see there's some stuff in the background. Is that Eurorack stuff, or is that um, uh, 500 series effects processing? Well, no, that's a Eurorack stuff, which I reluctantly um, had to succumb to, basically getting into. Uh, I was trying to avoid it for for years. Um, um i use a lot you can't see it but i have loads of, of synths here um i have about 50 or whatever uh, or i think more probably uh, hardware synthesizers um many of them are analog but some waldorf stuff as well um but um yeah so i finally had to to get into that uh, and that's just the beginning i just got into it about a couple of months <laughs> that's the start uh, oops yeah yeah have you got any ben, dreadbox ben knows uh no so that's the thing i i you know i always uh i never had to really work on a small scale kind of stuff you know i always have you know i have my sh101 my minimoog my you know all these kind of like polyfox actually we mentioned it before um so i know the the dreadbox is it's actually sounding quite good but i never I don't know. There's something about desktop boxes that I I don't really have where to put them. 
Yeah, well, uh, I imagine there, I can understand the problem there. Yeah. Uh, well, you should try it out. I mean, one thing that I did find, um, I, both you and I have worked with Goldfrap. In fact, Yoad has uh, remixed one of the tracks that I co-wrote with Goldfrap, which is uh, which is a nice connection. But when I took the uh, Erebus, I've told the story before, when I took the Erebus up to, up to Will, because he asked me to do some work on the last record, and I thought, I'll bring a couple of synths. It, it just kind of cleared a path through all of his really expensive stuff and sort of stated its... Uh, it, yeah it's all right i'm here mm-hmm. i can occupy this space and it really held its own so i can thoroughly recommend it i don't know whether uh, uh, you steve have had the opportunity to uh, enjoy that and uh, whether you would shed a tear at its demise um well i mean I, I mixed feelings on this yes i have used uh, this unit and you're absolutely right it's got a beautiful sound and it and it um, commands itself in a mix um I really like it, but I haven't uh, got one myself. And then the reason why I haven't got one is um, for uh, precisely what you had said. Uh, the desktop desktop format for me just doesn't work. I've got my mixing desk. Um, what I would really like is for these guys to produce something that could fit in a rack. And I don't mean Euro rack. I'm talking Absolutely. about the, the yeah the old um, you know 19 inch format. Just for it would be easier for me to store and and also crucially for what i do it would be easier for me to move around uh for live so you know if the dreadbox guys are listening please uh you know take that as a little tip from me um but in the meantime i i kind of wonder whether because this is such a popular synthesizer as far as i can tell whether first of all they're bringing out a new version of this machine which would be really exciting um, and also whether this is something to do with the brand, as in if you stop production after just a couple of years, there's only going to be a limited supply in the market. And so it becomes um, something to be sought after, which would really help the company for future products, if you know what I mean. So I wonder if that's going on there. Yeah, you might be right. I don't know. What do you think, Ben? Um, uh, sad to see it go, I guess. I, again, it's, it's not something I own, but... Um... I've tried in a strange way because I don't see it as that kind of moogish, moogish in tone. It does still do that. Here I am. As you said, it's just it clears the waters and it's there. And and it's usually kind of the reserve of a mug to do that. Um, other things tend to sit in a mix a bit nicer and play friends with other instruments a little more. But um, excited for a version three, I think. And I, I definitely mirror, despite all this modular stuff to the side of me, a rack version would be great. My desk's two-tiered. I've got this kind of rack space that I'm not using. I'd love to bung a Sympho 2 in there. Um, I was excited when the DeepMind from Behringer was announced as a rack unit. And as well, I feel a bit safer travelling with these things, um, working in colleges and putting gigs on. We have things like a Cog Triton and other bits of things in a rack, and, and there's a certain safety to just having a good box of stuff sounding good that I can chuck around in a rack a little bit. Um, I'd be scared stiff of leaving college students with my little desktop Erebus if I had one. Um, <laughs> Don't so, do it. No, uh, no. It's, well, not nothing's going near those guys. <laughs> no. So, yeah, I'm excited to see where they go. Um, they're an interesting company, Dreadbox, definitely. I wonder, and, and this, is, uh, this is purely speculation because they've just done the Hades kit and they're starting to do some kit stuff. And I wonder whether they're actually maybe changing their manufacturing process. So they're clearing out all the stuff that they would have in the, in the shop, as it were, and be putting together, you know, on benches by hand because they might be going to pick and 
place and pick stuff. And so they're moving it all out of the way and, and clearing the stock so that they can then bring a new generation of synths forward, which are going to be easier for them to manufacture because it's always been a problem availability for their stuff, which kind of adds to the kudos. But sometimes, you know, it's like, oh, damn, you know, I could have sold twice as many if I could have made twice as many. So it's one of those. And it, I, don't, I don't think it will change the ethos of the company too much. Um, so, you know, I, I wish them luck and I just wonder whether it is that, but, uh, but, but yeah, be sad to see, I'm glad I've got mine and, you know, I, I would never part with it. It's one of those instruments that I would, you know, any two synths could you, what would you want? It'd be like, yeah, that might actually be one of them. Cause it's just, it's just such a lovely little, little thing. Um, right. Here, they, I, um, sorry. Sorry, Nick. I was just going to say, were they all, um, through hole components still, I think, weren't they? Yeah. Which would probably speak to it being quite difficult to get made. Um, I know there's a certain kind of magic, as, as people like to think, around through hole. But I was talking to Alan at AGH Sims about this, and he just said, "I don't think electrons know the difference in terms of what they're running through on the circuit. It does what it does." Um, so I'd welcome them going um, SMD and getting more out. I think that stuff would shift like crazy if they could make it. Yeah, well, it's interesting. I mean, we've both we we both have common friend of an engineer. We've talked about this, the idea of this sort of SMD and and multi layered circuit board technology. If you design it right, it's actually way better than a poorly designed hand built circuit board because you can make sure that the you know the the signals are far enough apart and you know you don't get any looping and earth. Except. I know, yeah, you you are you're you're in a position where you probably I don't know what monitors you use, but you if anyone could hear the difference, I'm guessing you probably could, seeing as that's what you do as well. Um, yeah, I, I use my I I use uh, ATC one hundred. Um... CM or SM or whatever. SCM 100. Uh, oh, I love those. SCM, yeah. yeah, yeah. They're really good monitors. What I like about them is that you can monitor really quietly, which is what I do. And because, you know, when you monitor hard, uh, like loud, your ears actually get shut physically. They they, they have, um, uh, you know, muscles that, that shut them, like your, your pupils. Uh, responding to light and when you when you listen when you monitor quietly you're actually getting the best out of your senses out of your hearing sense so and also protecting your ears and and uh, the ATCs allow allow me to do that because they sound they sound amazing loud when you give it a blast and and want to enjoy it but they also sound really really good quiet uh yeah the the have very good detail on them um but I mean, you know, I used to be much more fussy about uh, signal path and stuff like that. I used to, back in the day when I used uh, studio machines, I used to go, especially on SSL desks where the signal path um, is not, you know, as pure as Neves and uh, kind of more transformerless and all that. So I used to go from the insert out and and take a long. Um, XLR and go straight into the back of the studio machine, not bypassing any obviously bus and fader and and all that kind of stuff and and also patch bays and things. But these days I just don't have time for that, and uh, I just want to get on with you know with, with what's on hand. And um, but I guess it, uh, it it just whatever sounds good. It it doesn't really matter. It's uh, also we live in a day and age that that it's. A lot of it is about lo-fi and 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 all that. So, whether some, something sounds pure and and with lots of headroom, 
does it really matter? Sometimes you actually want something to be squashed and, and kind of, um, and sometimes you don't want that bigger than life sort of thing. And you want something to, to fit in the mix, not to cut through it. So I don't know. It depends. Yeah. No, that's can, interesting. I just ask, can I just ask you, I had a, a, a quick question. Um, you were talking there about um, monitoring levels for making a mix. And you say that the speakers that you're using enable you to monitor quite quietly and still hear what you need to hear. What would you describe as being the sort of optimum level for mixing? Is it just sort of regular listening level, like as if you were listening on a television or something? Or what would you recommend? Um, for me, it kind of is. You know, I have um, on the NIV here, it's all uh, discrete um resistors you know so rather than a, a potentiometer it's actually steps yeah so so you can you can have a kind of a designated listening level and um and for me it's it's nearly all the way down you know uh it's i listen very quietly i would say more quietly than i than than the level um to which I watch TV and stuff like that because you just want to hear stuff, hear dialogue and stuff like that. But when you sit in front of, you know, the the near fields or the ATCs, you you completely focused on that. And obviously, the listening environment is is crucial as well. You can't do it in a, in like a normal living room, obviously. You know, so you have to have um, a good, well treated room, and uh, and everything is is kind of uh it, it allows you to to be working like that but i would say i i think to the annoyance of the people i work with um especially when writing and and programming and and being creative people want it really loud and all that but i the way i work is i usually work on the you know on the sound on sonics as well as as being creative so it's at the same time so for me it's kind of important to to know what's going on and i can only understand what's going on if i listen to to it in basically in low level really that's interesting so you don't want anybody in your room with a a, a dreadful cold or a straight or loud clothing <laughs> messing about a lot <laughs> uh, yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> interesting interesting stuff thank you very much for that um yeah so uh, that stocks are gonna you know they're gonna keep selling until stocks run out but that's it they're not making any more uh let's get on to uh this one this is uh, i found a video uh online um this is actually uh the now what's it called truno let's see if i can get the volume a bit louder so this is it looks like a plug-in but actually what it is is an analog synth on a USB stick that you plug in with analog circuitry that's then brought back in to the uh, the digital domain through the USB audio interface and returned as a plugin. So you run it as a plugin within your DOW. You can run it standalone as well. And it's uh, it's got a Polyvox style filter. And uh, it's quite an interesting concept. I mean, it, in some ways, you might think it's a bit of a weird concept because what's an analog synth on uh, on a chip? Now, I'm going to come to you, Ben, because uh, you know it, it's 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 an interesting idea. I've never seen it done before. I don't know if you have, uh, but as I said, the guy came to visit yeah. me yesterday, so I can answer some questions if anyone has them. Ah, oh, perfect. Um, my well, 
it's strange. A, a big thing about real hardware, be it processors, compressors, desks, or synths, Yara Rack, it's the interface for me. And I think software sounds amazing. So I don't quite get the market for it. Um, I'm not against digital. You know, there's plenty of plugins that I think sound really, really good. But if this is functioning like a plugin, I don't quite get the point, if I'm honest. It doesn't sound any better from that demo than other kind of analog modeling, um, like Monarch in Reactor or some of the Diva plugins, um, or Serum by X for Records. So I don't really get what it's giving me. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm, not sure, I'm not sure I can answer that uh, f- questions on a phys- philosophical level, but I can certainly answer yes. them on a technical <laughs> level. <laughs> is it, um, well, to go technical, sorry, is it, are they real VCOs or are they DCOs yes. like in they're, the Juno? No, they're VCOs. It has to actually tune. So you switch it on and it, ha- okay. it has a tuning routine. So it does tune. I mean, it also has digital waveforms. So you've got, I think there are two, five, six digital waveforms as well as the analog waveforms as well. So it, do- it does. And that's the thing I found. It was kind of curious, you know, because it's like, oh, it needs tuning. And you press the button and it tunes up because it obviously it runs at a certain temperature and it takes a while to achieve that temperature. So, you know, it, it's the same. So I guess very hard to answer if the guy just came around yesterday. You've not had much time with it. But does it offer any kind of analog vco mojo if you like or vibe that you wouldn't get in software or is that hard to say if i'm honest um it didn't really to my ears no it it, it kind of sounded all right it was fine but then you know i, I we brought up because uh, gaz was here as well we were doing a review and it, he brought up one of the steinberg ones i forget which it is and we just ran that up and it just went oof you know there there was more bottom end in the plug-in than there was in the analog thing you know but that's not you know that's not uncommon it just depends i mean we're only talking no. i think it's 139 quid so we're not talking high quality but so it doesn't seem to offer that kind of mojo no so yeah, yeah. it's the kind of mm. philosophical thing for me I, I don't quite get where to place it because modeling oscillator drift and actually most modern analog doesn't sound like what people think of as analog anyway a company like analog solutions i think really offer vintage style analog things seem to drift that little bit more um so if that's not doing this you know like the pocket operators or volkers they're around the same kind of price but they offer a little quirky interface and they're good fun yeah i i I don't get it is my thing (laughs) okay steve you were talking about being able to easily transport your synthesizers surely this is the perfect uh possibility right yeah, yeah, it, it is. Um, but I don't know. Look, I, I think the, the bottom line of it is that if this sounds really good, then um, then it gets a big thumbs up from me. I must admit, I've, I've only actually heard what you just played um, across this digital stream. So it, it sounds all right to me, but I, I couldn't really uh, tell. Bottom line, if it sounds really good, then I think this, there's going to be um, a real use for this, and largely because of two factors, which is the convenience of it in terms of its size. Yeah, this is what it looks also, like. There it is. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, you know, pretty small. And also in terms of its price, um, so I'm, I'm just going to sort of work on the basis that it doesn't sound you know, incredible. So it's not like a new 303. I don't mean like a recreation of, of that machine, but it's a, a new small thing that just somehow sounds incredible. Just I'm just going to just assume it sounds pretty good. Um, but then I suppose the, the, the next question for me is, well, why would I personally want 
real analog circuitry as opposed to uh, analog modeling, like Ben's been talking about there. And I, I don't really know. I mean, the, the, as Ben's already said, the, the analog models that we have now in software are, you know, they're superb. They sound really, you know, really good. So I suppose actually on, on that level, where this would come in that would maybe help me, especially in a in a live situation is that it w wouldn't be taxing the CPU in my MacBook Pro, like, for example, uh, Monarch by Native Instruments ah, or Diva. It's, it's interesting you say that because actually, uh, in our experience, we did a quick CPU test and it wasn't particularly light on the CPU. So it's, oh, I could, you could cross okay. that off your, your uh, requirement list, unfortunately. But that well, might just be an efficiency of the code or the plugin or whatever. Yeah. But sadly, that's well, not. Well, yeah. Maybe. maybe Maybe they can sort that out. The next question would be, so just how convenient is this really? So the idea would be, right, so you, you plug it in, and then if you're using Ableton Live, you'd set up the input on there and, and a couple of faders and off you go. But what about if you're using um, like a, a sound card to connect in some other hardware synthesizers? At, at that point, my understanding would be that you'd have to make an aggregate device. I'm talking about Macs here, by the way. I'm sure it's a similar concept uh, in Windows. Actually, I can answer that too. The answer right. is the answer is oops, sorry. The answer is no. It somehow it doesn't become your sound card. It somehow it's piping the stuff back in via the return of the plugin. It's not actually replacing your main oh. sound card at all. And you don't have to make an aggregate. That's the clever stuff. It's a bit like Overbridge in that way where it, it's sort of, it's, it's, is it auto-aggregate or it just kind of becomes another feed? It's quite interesting the way that that works. So that I can answer okay. that one too. Okay. Well, that really, I mean, in terms of convenience, that's a huge one. So then my next question would be, What's the latency like? Am I, would I have to spend a lot of time sort of optimizing uh, buffer settings or whatever to get a nice solid, you know, a solidly timed uh, synthesizer part? Do you happen to know that, Nick? You can tweak the buffer for the device itself. And I suspect that the, the higher CPU we had was because we were trying to set it at the lowest possible buffer. So I think it does have its own it, its, its own CPU kind of resources requirements for lower, low, low latency settings. So yeah, it, it's a but I, I we, it, there was a not really a qualitative test. It was just a quick check. Okay, okay. Well then, I suppose for me then the the last question and, and this isn't really a, a question for me because I kind of know where I stand on this. But for the market in general is. There was. It's always going to be people out there who will insist on using um, analog synthesizers because they believe they sound the best. And without wanting to get into a debate about that, what we have here is a hybrid, don't we? So we have a digital yeah. interface. We have analog-generated uh, uh, audio. But then before you hear anything, it's got to go through a conversion stage, right? So yeah, um, it's good. It, yeah, so it's a to a to C at that point. So is this going to be analog enough for the people who care about these things? And I'm, I must admit, I don't really know. No, and, I and, can't. In the end, all, sorry, sorry, in I, the end, I, all of these... I can't answer that either. <laughs> but yeah, you're no, right. Um, no, yeah. no it's, it's, it's completely subjective. But I think in the end, um, if it sounds incredible, 
or or just really good or really quirky or just does a thing that you can't get anywhere else i can see this doing really well as particularly at that price point otherwise it, it, it's a, there's a lot of questions um but i would certainly um be interested in this in terms of uh, the convenience especially now uh, that i've discovered that you don't have to make an aggregate device mm, yeah I know, yeah. I, I mean, it sounds like a kind of antithesis of what you're doing there with your synthesizers. I mean, what, what, what do you think on I it? Would, <laughs> I would start with the, with the bottom line. Does it sound amazing? You know, and and that really the that is the only thing that matters. If it sounds amazing, that that you know, then then it then it just does, and then I would want it. Uh, although I have to say that I you know I can't stand anything kind of dongle based. I I I'm not using any iLock well I have to in Protos but it's kind of here and then I have another one for my laptop but any kind of mm, you know any kind of of, of uh, dongle based uh, authorization uh, plugins I'm, I'm just not using uh, this is slightly different because it's like uh, you know I don't do live stuff so I have synths in here and, and this could be another one of them stuck into a USB hub and and and, and all that I would I agree with with Steve. I mean, it does go through a, an A to D converter, and I just wonder how much of the processing is actually done in the digital domain once it's it got converted. Also, there's there's an issue of the sample rate. So from what I read, it the A to D is um, is at um, 44.1 kilohertz. Now, what happens if if your session is at 96 or, or 48? um how good is the sample rate conversion algorithm the the and the obviously the a to d and also what we talked about earlier about the 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 signal path and the you know the headroom and all that can you really um fit good good quality analog sound onto such a small chip but i would go back to my my initial you know, uh, thing. If it sounds amazing, and could you know, maybe it's one. Of, it's one of those things that that are just lo-fi, and they just have a purpose, and they just sound great. And that that renders everything I just said to to <laughs> ir irrelevant. You know, if it sounds great, and it's a, it's a cool synth that then that it sounds great. Yeah, cool noises out of then it's great. And also, I have to say that for myself, I actually like. Unlike unlike Ben, I like the the screen interface. I do like that. Um, I do like um, programming stuff, and and maybe maybe at one point we can we can talk about that. I have a whole controller here that, although it's a it's a hardware controller that controls all the synthesizers that that can receive either SysX or NPRN um or or control data so it's they all come here and i have a dedicated environment for all of them and i find myself doing more stuff on the screen than on this thing which which is really convenient so for me and i like obviously software uh synths and stuff um so for me the the interface is not is not as much uh, a problem as as it may be for other people but again is it amazing yeah, I mean, I, I didn't get the sense that it was like, oh, my God. I mean, it sounded pretty nice, but it didn't sound like one of those things that make you go, crikey, how much is that? I mean, I think one of the one of the hard psychological barriers to get over is because you're running it as a plug-in, you know, it's about the same price as a decent 
a DSP based plugin, but exactly, like you can that. only run one at a time because it's it's linked to the actual hardware. So you've got that kind of, you know, you don't get the advantage yeah, but, of it being a plugin. But at the same time, there's some, you know, there's an argument that says that there's something, and I quite like that. Uh, in my in my setup, all the synths receive MIDI, uh, and they all they, they all get triggered. Uh, sorry, uh, when I touch any keyboard in the room. Uh, so and that way I can layer stuff and so I'm not I'm not doing like obviously multi-timbral which is completely obsolete but I'm not doing even separate MIDI channels or port and stuff I everything plays when I hit a keyboard so and that allows me to to layer stuff and and distort stuff and and whatever oh it's interesting it but it it forces me to print everything I do I can retrieve the CSEC, so I I get all the presets of the stuff I print, so I can always go back if I need to do a whatever key change or, or something like that at a later stage. Um, but it forces me to to print stuff to audio, and there's something about that which is which I kind of like um, because you can sculpt the sound further when when something is stays in MIDI like plugins and stuff like that, then you tend to to leave it at that state, and then you you avoid yourself of the of the some of the benefits that that audio regions can offer like reversing stuff fading in regardless of the envelope setting and and, and stuff like that chopping stuff um moving you know just one bit of of a region one you know things to different channels sure. and stuff so i kind of i kind of like the the idea of um having to print stuff to you know to take Oh, that's a really interesting idea. So, you effectively, I like the idea that every synth is just on, and you just unmute the channel that you want to hear. So, that's a, that's a really interesting yeah. approach. Uh, perhaps we can talk more about your uh, controller approach in, in a sec. But uh, it's time to have a a, a little uh, word from our sponsors. This course is Isotope Ozone Eight which is uh, the new mastering and uh, track assistant version from ozone you get mastering assistant which basically helps you set up your kind of initial session and it goes a long way to providing that maybe the sort of processing you're looking for to start with as a starting point very useful and in many cases get it gets it spot on pretty much first time which is quite impressive to see there's also uh, tonal balance control which gives you a visual representation of the sort of sound you're going for and the kind of parameters of which each frequency band should be within to achieve somewhere in that region very useful extra uh, visual mixing tool it's also possible to control external instances of uh, neutron 2 or other ozone date within the same session so you can bring the whole thing together particularly if you're working at the mastering stage makes it very much greater use there's also track referencing uh, you can link, link up to a folder full of tracks and just a b between them very quickly just to see what it is that you're going for and what your mix sounds like spectral shaping there's another thing straight back to us i mean there's so many ways which we you could use ozone 8 and uh, we want to encourage you to try it out if you go to isotope.com forward slash ozone you get access to a demo that you can check out straight away and we've also got a competition this week uh, last week we asked uh, for the hashtag uh, let me see what was it it was uh, Max Your Mix uh, that's right we got a winner from last week and last week's winner is a chap called uh, Pierre Vanderberg and his Twitter handle is at Pierre V 
So at Pierre V, if you're with us, uh, please do get in touch and we'll get Isotope to drop off a copy of iZone 8 into your account. And of course, we've also got another competition for this week. You can win another copy of iZone 8. We'll be announcing the winner next week. And the hashtag we're looking for this week is for great mixes. So for great mixes, that's what as one word. And also the hashtag Ozone 8 to at Sonic State and at Isotope Inc. Uh, so four great mixes that's an F-O-R not n- number four four great mixes and the hashtag Ozone8 to at Sonic State at Isotope Inc and then entering will enter us into the competition so thank you very much everybody for um, for that right um, incidentally actually we're running um, Neutron 2 across the the bus of this now you may have noticed last week that all the levels got a bit a bit higher up and uh, it was a bit more sort of uh, broadcast ready so uh, um we're, we're using what we advertise, which is kind of good, I'm guessing. Right, um, what's the next thing? Um, let, well, let, actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to play this one first because this might lead to an interesting conversation. We can come back to Yoad about his controller setup. So, uh, this is uh, new Electroharmonics volume pedal. Whoopee, you might think. But actually, the thing about this one is it's got a special tapered curve, which makes it more sensitive. It's also got uh, uh, two different... Uh, impedance mode so you can plug a keyboard into it obviously it's just mono but it's also only about 60 bucks so it seems like a pretty cheap thing i won't play the whole whole thing because a volume pedal is a volume pedal but there's a couple of things about this i mean foot control generally is is one of those things you're either into or you're not into and it's one of those things when you try you just think i can't live without it you know and it's one of those things that definitely kind of makes a lot of difference i'll start with you yad because I'm guessing, you know, you've got, have you got a load of stuff under the desk that you're kind of uh, controlling with your feet as, as you go along for multita- um, multitasking mixing? <laughs> well, just, a, you know, a controller pedal. But, I mean, I am, you know, not many people know it, but I'm a guitarist, actually. That's my main instrument. So, um, and so for me, like a volume pedal is something very expressive. However, I never manage to, to really enjoy the sound of when you you know when it's so so i always find that the sound of actually playing with the with the volume knob on the guitar to be much more pleasant and um and with with the demo i saw there of the electroharmonics um pedal it seems like the high z input really works and that allows you to to have the because there's always the 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 argument like where do you put the volume pedal in the in the chain so when you put it right after the guitar it really usually from my experience it really kills the sound of the guitar because the level the the output of the pickups over or on a passive uh you know circuitry is so low um that it really kills it but it's and then if you want to put it after the effects obviously you want to put it before the delays and reverb otherwise it sounds like in the demo that they show there, for some reason they put it after the reverb, and I find it very odd uh, because the whole thing, you know, I'm a, I'm a yes fan, so so all this volume pedal like soon and all that uh, volume like um, you know where where volume swells is something I really like, um, so I, I I think I'm probably gonna get it. Although I'm I have loads of volume pedals, but they seem to work well on keyboards, which is a little bit redundant. You know, you don't, you don't really need that. Um, I guess for live and for expression, it makes a lot of sense. I mean, you know, obviously the the, the great um, Vangelis is is notorious for his. He's almost got like a kind of uh, uh, an organ bass pedal setup of volume pedals. But yeah, it absolutely makes sense. In, yeah, in, but in but, that but these days, 
but these days, you know, why not use a MIDI controller, foot, a foot yeah. controller to, to control so. your, your fader in, in Logic or whatever, or to control different plugins and, and stuff because you, you end up in in the box anyway. You know what I mean? So there's no reason to... Uh, I'm also, you know, my, my background is, is engineering. That's where I come from. So I'm very aware of signal to noise and things like that. So I, I rather do any volume processing at the very last stage as much right. as possible but in this in this case like having the ability to to actually to to make it a part of your playing like you're changing the, the volume knob and, and all that it's it's quite amazing i'm definitely going to get get this pedal ah okay well there's a, that that's a good job. steve are you i mean you play live a lot are you a kind of foot pedal guy i mean do you find that you need those extra controls or do you sort of program around it um i i would like to I would love to be able to do this thing uh, well. And in fact, it's actually on my um, wish list for next year to get properly into pedal, uh, you know, expression pedals. Problem is, um, I've always been more of a rugby player than a footballer. And so consequently, I've got all the sort of like skill with my feet of an unskilled person with their feet. So it's been really, <laughs> um, you know, difficult for me to get into that. Having said all that, I think there's a lot of scope for this uh, kind of unit uh, for electronic performers. You know, um, when there's not a great deal going on on stage, any movement that the performer is performing becomes the focus of the audience's attention, if you know what I mean. And and so if you've got, you know, a left hand doing a filter cutoff or whatever, and a right hand adjusting resonance or or you know, glass of wine, if your foot is now adjusting the volume of the synthesizer, it all um, helps the audience to believe, because it's true, that what they're hearing is being uh, created in front of them, in front of their very eyes, if you know what I mean. So even if um, it doesn't, it's not something that's necessarily going to have a, a big impact on the tone of what the electronic performer is doing, visually, I think it's actually pretty useful and that's why i'm going to dedicate some time next year to uh to doing this kind of thing yeah. um and, and also I, I think um you know I, I throughout the years i've used a lot of um guitar pedals particularly electro harmonics the, the rest of their range is superb um and it, 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 it's it's nice just to have you know some extra um hardware on stage again that gives the audience the impression that something is being created in front of them if you, if you know what i mean i don't want to overstate yeah. this um uh beyond that it's all uh you know the, the, the dexterity of a rugby player for me sorry oh i'm sorry to hear that ben i mean there are you know this is obviously volume i mean you can get stereo foot volumes but you also get cv control volumes which will spit out cv control i mean is that something that you find um, you, I mean, you, you see quite a lot of performers as well. I mean, some of them use that kind of thing. Yeah, and um, I mean, for me as a guitar player, it was drums first for me, followed shortly by guitar, well before synths and any production stuff. And yeah, as Yoad was saying about um, positioning of the pedal, I really like a volume pedal before my time-based effects, delays and reverbs. And that tends to be most of my guitar playing kind of ambient, more textural, kind of things at the minute that's where my head's at um and yeah a nice responding volume pedal i think there's always room for one um i use the passive ernie ball silver one that everyone seemed to use i forget what it's actually called um and it's sometimes under the desk 
with the same stuff with a little interface in and out or it's just on a guitar pedal board. Um, I tend to use an expression pedal with, I reached over to grab it, um, this um, Seven Dials CV Express module. Um, really simple, takes an expression pedal in, spits out every conceivable voltage, the inverse version, the normal version. You can change all the response on the pots. Um, and yeah, when I want to do something and don't have enough hands, like Steve was saying, if you're maybe modulating cutoff and resonance and you just want to open the release on an envelope, having a foot to do it, I find really useful. It's definitely a performative thing, though. I, I think in a studio, it, I'd probably do it in the box, to be honest. But live, yeah, I think they're great. And if it's got, I'd have to play on it. If it has this kind of nicer tapered response, maybe I'd kind of swap for it, but I'd have to go try one. Yeah, I don't know that it would work with uh, CV, but certainly with volume, I'm sure. I mean, uh, that's the thing. Yeah, okay. sorry, for the guitar, yeah. Yeah, yeah, okay, I understand. Um, Yoad, I just wanted to come... Sorry, were you going to come in there with Steve? I heard an intake. Uh, yes, just um, just very briefly, it was interested, interesting that Yoad was talking about being a guitarist. And um, something that uh, was a, a big feature of um, my old band Dubstar's uh, music was Chris the guitarist often used to do uh, volume swells using uh, the, the volume uh, knob on his guitar and of course you can achieve that with a, a volume pedal but the, but the reason I mention this is that if you're using um, acoustic sounds um, and you change the to use a synthesizer term the envelope of that sound you can go to sonic places that you just wouldn't normally uh, associate with that instrument if you know what i mean so you can create a very uh, glassy or kind of paddy uh, sound from uh, let's say a fender guitar but simply because you're you're missing out the transient the, the attack stage of that sound so yeah. i think this is in, in terms of sound design this is where a volume pedal could be really uh, useful to essentially just manipulate um the sustain portion of uh, real sounds, maybe from song. Yeah, just a thought. And you get that kind of articulation that you can't get so much. Uh, yeah, well, I want to just come back to you. You were talking about you have this uh, this sort of master controller that you run all of your synths on. I mean, what is it a custom build thing or is it just a kind of set of? Uh... Uh, I know, I know, it looks kind of nice because it has wooden cheeks and stuff. But uh, what it is is it's a it's a BCR two thousand, which I find the most kind oh, of. Oh, it's the Behringer. Yeah, I've got one of those. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's really a really good machine, um, and basically, I have I can't show the screen properly right now. But basically, what we did with my with the assistant of my uh, assistant um, Keith Holmes, who worked really hard on it for months and months, um, we designed a, a system whereby each synthesizer, like the the Juno with the Kiwi mod. Um, you know, which completely responds to, to control uh, changes, for example, has it, its own environment page. Um, and and the environment looks like the, the layout of the BCR, you know, so it, right. it serves as because the BCR, the BCR doesn't have any any labels. I mean, you can you can scribble there, but then it would be for one thing. But the way we set it up is that you have cut off resonance envelope amount velocity blah 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 for which applies to all the synthesizers and then you have um, vcf envelope vca envelope so the layout is the same as much as possible for for all the synths um 
obviously some of them have one envelope some of them have uh, have two envelopes some of them don't respond to velocity and all that but as much as possible so it's all compatible with so you can pretty much do it just by without any labeling however the 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 what you see on the screen um, is represents the layout of the BCR um, so so I have one environment page per scene Wow, that's a bit, have, that, that's I, what, just I just have, to clarify. Sorry, that's that's within logic, isn't it? Because logic is uh, logic is uh, logic is, environment. Logic environment. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then and then what I have is a screen set in logic pair um, pair this environment. Percent, right? So right. if I want to record, and also this number of screen set corresponds to the number of the the preset number on the BCR. So if say I don't know the Q. By, by the way, the queue, uh, the world of queue, occupies four pages. <laughs> so it runs across, across, you know, you know it's a huge synth. It's probably the biggest, um, kind of the most sophisticated, definitely hardware synth. Um, arguably, um, you know, ever. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, of plugins as well. But what you do is, so you, you recall, uh, you go to preset number 33, which corresponds to the screen. And then if you want the further to, to tweak the, other, the parameters uh, further, you go to two, which is one press of the button, you go to 34 and then, and so forth. Right, and then I it's see. just, uh, you know. So, so, you've, so created, very... you've, cre you've created these kind of meta editors for that thing. I mean, so in, in many ways, you're kind of, you're, you're, even though we've talked about the hardware interface, you've just created your own unified hardware interface for all of those synths so that you Absolutely, can... which is great because obviously it all goes through logic. So whatever you do, uh, it gets recorded, which with NRPN, it's a nightmare. With SysX, it's a nightmare, but everything that is controller-based. And also some of the synths that work like the Tetras, I have a couple of Tetras to get eight voice, you know, the links linked together. Sure. Um, they run on NPRN, but the actual controller for, for the NPRN commands is done via MIDI control numbers. So you can still edit, you know what I mean? And then it gets converted to, to NPRN. So you can you can edit the automation if you like on 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 so i usually do a pass and then edit it if if i need to so it, it's does really it does good, uh, does it work both ways so when does it query the the current set of settings for the each synthesizer or you just sort of start from scratch it you you have to no it it can't it can't no, you, no, okay. you, yeah yeah wow that's i mean that's does sound like a lot of a lot of work but i can see considering you know i was i was sort of gonna add a flippant comment that is obviously you have to do that because if you walked away from your monitoring spot back to your synths you wouldn't be able to hear the mix because you have it so quiet well i have <laughs> another i have an, another set of uh, of speakers there and sometimes i would walk to you know the poly six although and that's the that's the thing that when you control a poly six from the screen or from a different controller it kind of sounds different because you have you feel like you have more more possibilities especially things like the the chroma polaris which on which the or the the the, J, the super jx yeah programming on the hardware it's, yeah, just it's not much fun with yeah. the menus you know and the alpha wheel and all that crap and 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 now you can you can just see all the parameters so you get a whole new experience which leads to to different type of, of sounds that you can generate from it. 
Yeah, I see. So you win some, you lose some. If you what you gain with others, you lose with others. But yeah, if you've got a lot of interesting, interesting stuff. Um, I'm just going to uh, quickly mention uh, we've just launched a T-shirt yesterday with uh, synth meme people. Uh, there was a competition we ran ages back, which was uh, for the users of synth memes to design a T-shirt, and uh, they have in fact designed a T-shirt. I'm just going to bring this up, and this this is the uh, this is the result of it. So uh, just to point out when you get here, you can uh, rest of the world, Americas, you can decide where you're going to get it from but it's uh if i click on there does something happen oh i'll try america's then um and it's it's a sort of play on the uh, known pleasures and it's pmw known pleasures you can buy that from uh from teespring in fact i've got a um i've actually got a 15 percent discount code which is uh, bitly slash pwmt so pwm t-shirt i suppose is the answer to that so if you want to say 15 percent, i think if you order quickly you might be able to get it before christmas as well so just wanted to put that out there and obviously if you're a member of synth memes group uh the admin there will have posted that i want to say thanks to jim hayward for organizing that and uh also from jason mastranda mastrandrea for helping with the design of it so um, i wanted to get this one in because i thought this was actually really uh quite a cool product this is the half-time instant effects speed from uh, Cable Guys. It's really simple. It's just it'll immediately half-time or quarter-time or what dotted time uh, audio that goes into it. And what's really interesting about it is it will also allow you to frequency analysis. Uh, you know. Uh, apply it to different areas of the frequency. I just thought that was pretty cool. I don't know, Ben, if you're, uh, it's a pretty cool little plugger. It's only 10 bucks. I mean, it seems like a bit of a no-brainer, doesn't it? And it's the sort of thing that it kind of really works for that sort of DJ vibe where you can radically change the tempo and the timing. I mean, doing that in MIDI or in audio is a real pain, but something like this could be really useful. Oh, I think you're muted. Someone Somebody take a, a drink. Yeah. Someone take a drink. Take yeah. a drink. Um, it, yeah, it, it sounds really good as well. Um, I've played around with, um, I forget the company, but it had two big kind of pitch, one was a pitch wheel and one was a formant wheel, big blue interface on the plug-in. And I used that a lot because it was as quick as this seems to be, but it didn't sound anywhere near as good. I mean, this is going back years as well, so technology will have changed. But yeah, it's not doing half time though, is it? It's doing half pitch. Half pitch. Uh, uh, no, I think it's slowing it everything Yes, I think it down, does. It? Yeah, no, I think it does as well because I noticed there are a couple of uh, shots where where it pitched it down, but it also has slowed it down as well. I, I, uh, okay. So I think it some does. parts of the demo, it does just drop an octave and then come back again. You yes, know, you, you hear it in the drum beat. It doesn't actually buffer and really spread the whole thing. But yeah, it sounds really good, and I didn't see it was ten dollars or ten pounds at that price. Yeah, it's a bit of a no-brainer. Yeah, no, nice little, nice little fix. Um, uh, Steve, I don't know what uh, whether you're looking for some plug inspiration. Oh, I, I think I'll coin that <laughs> word. That's a, that might be something I can use for the uh, show title. Plug inspiration. Yeah, I like that. Uh, what do you think? I like that. Uh, well, I think, first of all, you're going to have to see whether the .com is available. Yeah. But, um, for your new word. But, um, yeah, it, look, it looks like fun. £10, sure. Why not? Um, I, I, it wasn't clear to me. Uh, I, I did see this earlier in the week. It wasn't clear to me whether it was doing half time or going down an octave I, I wasn't entirely sure i think um i think you guys may have just covered that but i was distracted because it's so windy here that my bins have 
blown over and they're literally just here. So there was a bit of a <laughs> distraction. Sorry about that. That's um, um, yeah, but no, I, I think it, it, it could be uh, a lot of fun. And I don't mean fun in a, in a dismissive way. I think ultimately that's what music should be. And I know that um, back in the day when I was doing um, a lot of um, sampling and when I was putting uh, tunes together, that um, I would often run things at halftime even uh, slower. Uh, and to have that sort of uh, mindset, you know, available to me for a tenor in a, in a plug-in, it sounds like a, a lot of fun. So I think I'll probably give it a go. Excellent. Yoad, I don't know whether, I mean, obviously you make plugins. I mean, uh, do you, do you, do you find yourself kind of doing those kind of impulse buys for, for things that you see? So yeah, that's really cool. I'm going to get Absolutely. that. Absolutely. Um, I think it's really clever the way, so from what I can gather from the videos, what they do is they, they uh, basically resample everything to twice the sample rate. So then when it plays back, it plays an octave below, which allows them to, um, to basically um, have a very low latency, I presume, because by the time you get to the next bit, it's already been slowed down. So you can regenerate, so you can start, you know, bursting out um, the, the stream quite soon after you just hear the after you get the input so so that's a clever idea from what i can gather it it, it does that whatever the settings are um, and then it allows you to to do all that without having to to go into time stretch um, you know universe which which uh, means that it can it can do it in relatively good uh, good quality uh it's nice for 10 for a tenor you know it's a no-brainer however for, for me it kind of um gives me the vibe of of dubstep which is a little bit is that uh, a turn off cool. <laughs> yeah you know so uh well I, I was thinking it would be really good for, for for drones as well for taking kind of like pads and stuff and just slow you know that in the kind of pull stretch kind of vibe obviously it doesn't go down three thousand percent or whatever but you could kind of take so, things uh, and then just drop them down and maybe hide things and you get that you get that grainy texture which is sort of quite pleasant ab- absolutely i mean the grain texture obviously uh depends on the steepness and uh, of your anti-aliasing uh, filter um which which usually is is um is linear phase which adds to the latency blah 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 all that but what i would really like to see i mean obviously it's great for live uh, but what i would re- really like to see in in every host in protos in in live in in logic and cubase is the ability to just take a region and play it slower or faster you know not doing not resulting in not going in into time stretch but that mainly for drums i mean it would be great for drones and stuff like you said but but just imagine dragging drums so you don't then you don't really need to to use samplers anymore for drums you just drag stuff i think that maybe fl studio does that uh, but i'm not sure uh, to just drag stuff yeah fl studio does does do it uh but it, it in a way of their kind of step sequencer for drums uh, but I mean, in Logic and Protoss, just drag stuff, drag drum drums, do your programming on the screen with the audio. But then, if you want to change the pitch for for a few or, or one region, you can do it, and that it will stretch the time. Obviously, there's a there's a kind of the, the problem of how it will represent the the region and where where the, the graphics yeah, would I overlap so, yeah. and and things like that. Yeah. 
yeah interesting like to interesting see. yeah but looks looks pretty cool i mean basically like i say it's 10 bucks uh 12 uh, 12 bucks 10 euros i think it is but uh, uh yeah well worth checking out that's the uh uh cable guys half speed effects are very very simple ben i realized that one of the reasons you came on <laughs> is because also you've been looking at this uh this other video i, I wonder has, has everybody got time if we quickly look at this rainmaker thing is is anybody in a rush or can you, can you um, I'm afraid on? I am. I have to. I have to get a train to uh, Shoreditch to go and see Confidence Man tonight, uh, which I'm really excited about. Okay. Um, well, how how about you, uh, Yard? Are you uh, around? I'm I'm good for I'm good for a few minutes. Okay. Um. Well, but, Steve, if if you've got to head off, I mean that's that's okay. That's no problem. We can say goodbye now if you are in a real hurry. Oops, um, that- yes, I'm, I'm afraid I am. Um, but thanks very much for having me, and uh, nice to meet uh, both of you, Ben and Yoad. It's uh, oh, is this your uh, first time yeah. together? Oh, excellent! What a yeah. nice pairing. Yeah. And I want to Absolutely. also say, Steve, Ethernet cable rocks. You, your video has been absolutely <laughs> bang on, no glitching, nothing. That's the answer. So you get it's, yourself it's a way forward, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. And you okay. could just get some of those mains extenders and stick it up in the in your workroom, and you'd be jobs are good. It's really. It shouldn't be too difficult, should it? I'll, I'll work it out. Thanks very much, right. guys. See you, soon. See you later, Steve. Thank you very much, Steve. 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 So uh, uh, let's play this one quickly, just because uh, I know that, that Ben's also been looking at this, and I can't oh, believe hello. how... Today, we're looking at the Intelligel Rainmaker. This is the inimitable Mylar Melodies. Great. This is a stereo delay with 16 taps, different filters on each tap, different pitches on each tap. Also does uh, a stereo, what does it also do? Stereo multi-tap comb resonator. I mean, it looks insanely, and is, no doubt, insanely complicated, but the sounds it's doing, coming up with, are astonishing. It's the Intelligel Cyclonics Rainmaker, to give its full title. And it just seems like this sort of, I, I can't think of any other delay that is as complicated in any other form, to be perfectly honest. So, um, in the sake of brevity, I'll come to you first, Divka, because you've looked at this as well. It's an amazing concept and, you know, one that's almost worthy mm. of kind of even tied H3000 sort of land, isn't it? Yeah, it's, um, I don't know if you're going to see it. It is up there, <laughs> around where my finger is. Top, but, um, sh- it's top yeah. shelf stuff, is it? Top shelf, top shelf, yeah, yeah. <laughs> top shelf delay, yeah. Um, it's totally amazing. I, I did the same thing, no doubt everyone watching is doing, and just went, oh, God, it looks so complicated. I, I don't want to touch this. And I, Speaking with uh, Mylon Melodies as well, who did that video, which yeah, is Yeah, 38 minutes, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we, we both kind of felt the same, but as soon as you start to just press a couple of buttons and maybe flick through a few presets and then tweak filtering in the delay or the feedback path, it is absolutely stunning. Um one thing it does that's really amazing, because it's kind of the key trick for me, if you're ever kind of lacking any inspiration, um, it has a random mode, but not random as in everything just continues making weird bleeps and bloops. Um, you hit a button that says random, it, it then essentially says, what do you want to randomize? At which point I tend to put everything and then just trigger it once. And then it just, these otherworldly textures just appear from nowhere. And I've sat and listened to recordings of them thinking, how would I even do that with anything else without spending 12 hours tweaking effects change? And it's great. Just with that random button, just hit it. I don't like it. I do like it. I don't like it. And editing things is really quick. It seems like it isn't, but everything's really well labeled. So if you want to repitch the delay, it's literally pitch, 
turn the pitch up and down. It's it is way more simple than it looks. Do you think there's a that that, that there might be room for a a, a, a a rainmaker light edition, which all it actually has is the uh, random button and an input and an output for much less cost. <laughs> um, I'd be up for it because on, honestly, these textures I, I don't like to. Well, I'm shameless. I do like to. What am I saying? I did do a video on this. I think I called it "Random Textures with the Rainmaker," um, where I just run some drums in, and I'm just in time. Just one single gate at the start of the bar. It just hits the random, and each bar then just has a different kind of texture. Oh, so you can trigger the random as well? Yeah, there is Ooh. a trigger button and a trigger input but that trigger input can do many things and again it's as simple as just hitting trigger what do you want the trigger to do either hit the random it can turn reverse on and off in the delay buffer it could turn comb settings up and down it's really quick so having some kind of rhythmic gate pattern or trigger either from a keyboard or a sequencer or modules it's really interactive and there's cv over lots of parameters as well um, really comprehensive filtering it can mimic uh, analog delay quite well. It's big and it's expensive, but it, it kind of should be. It really is an amazing piece of kit. Wow! Yeah, it does look. It, it, it's got my juice. I don't know. I, I don't know whether you had you kind of use your uh, external synth for processing. I mean, a balanced version, presumably for your world, might be a bit of fun. Or do you use kind of plugins for this sort of ethereal, otherworldly stuff? Yeah, well, I was just going to say uh, Logic's uh, delay designer can pretty much do uh, most of the delay section, uh, not the comp filter, but for that, the, the other plugins. Um, so, you you know, you can do stuff. Uh, the thing with Logic uh, delay designer is it, it, the, the, it, there's no limit to the tap count. So you can have as many as your CPU will allow you to do and you can use a pitch on each of them, fil resonant filter, um, high pass and low pass, panning, volume, and all that. Uh, so you can do all the stuff, all the kind of pitch feedback thing, like do 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 do, and and like the famous, you know, David Bowie low, sort of drum sound, that that kind of ah uh, yeah um, yeah yeah even time. speed of life, yeah, uh, uh, snare drum sound and all that. The the com filter seems very. Um, very interesting and and I, and it's a, it's about the combination of the two and like ben said it's a random randomizing and the accessibility the fact that it's hardware and it has knobs and stuff like that makes it more appealing with regards to balance or not I, you know i don't care about stuff like that if if something sounds good i would run something i have a feed from from the uh, hdio um to, so i can run you know everything um through a reamp and stuff like that so for me it's not an issue um yeah very interesting uh very you'll interesting, have to get a bigger uh, case uh, though yeah looking at that i can't see all of it behind well, you but... uh, coming yeah coming coming back to that um so and 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 to kind of um you know we talked about convenience and, and 19 inch uh, 19 inch uh, rack stuff so i built my um your rack in 19 inch uh units so it can fit into a rack or into multiple rack and racks and and whatever so for me that's the, the when i when i realized that i that that's the way to go then that was the time that i bought the frames and stuff and started uh, filling them up so, oh so what you use those kind of like pre-made 19 inch rack frames that, that then you put inside a case so you can make it you know more more robust or whatever if you want yeah because i have i have 
I don't know how many, I think I counted it once. It's probably like 100 U system or uh, I mean, 200 U system. I have five huge racks and stuff. So, so this could well, and it will fit into one of them and then it can grow sort of vertically. Danger. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. Are you got, are you that kind of guy? Do you, once you get into something, you kind of obsess about it and continue, or do you kind of have to stop? Because obviously you've got to actually get on with the job of mixing records and doing what you're paid for. Right. Yeah. But I mean, definitely once I get, and that's why I managed to, to hold up and, and not, you know, prevent myself from getting into it. Um, I have to say it's not as as you know severe as I, as I thought it would be. It's fine. It's kind of under control, um, but yeah, obviously I need to 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 get on with, with the job at hand. But but sometimes you just need inspiration, and sometimes you just need to tweak knobs for no reason. You know that's part of what we do. That's a great show title as well. I'm going to write that down as well. Sometimes. Dot <laughs> <laughs> com. Yeah. Okay. We'll share that. We'll share that that domain. The results of that massive uh, uh, tweet knobs for no reason. I like that. Excellent. Okay. Brilliant. Um, well, it feels like we're probably getting towards the end, uh, natural end of the show. We've lost a guest uh, due to a, 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 an impending train journey. Um, so um, I'll come back to you, Ben. What, what's what's next for you then? You still kind of getting everything ready for Nam because we've started our preps as well. It's kind of full. Yeah. On. Um, Nam for me is not so much of a big one. I've I've never actually been. So for my coverage, um, I tend to wait on what everyone else does, and obviously with credit, repost and, and share some thoughts. But um, the Future Sound Systems Gristleizer modules, working with uh, Chris Carter of Robin Gristle, I've two of them in uh, videos. One online tomorrow, another start of next week. The new AGH synth modules. Um, there's a huge list. I've, I've almost forgotten. There's videos going up daily at the minute. Um, wow. <laughs> so people that can't keep up, I hope you've got time over Christmas because there's just hours of content. I, I, I've slightly changed the angle of some of my content because I realised that, especially fans of this show and more general synth fans, some of this is a little bit of a minefield. So well, while reviewing modules, I've tried to make them a tutorial for whatever that thing it does is. So if it's a logic module, it will tell you what logic is and how you might want to use it. So hopefully people are, are kind of getting use out of it, even if they're not interested in that company's equipment. Or Yeah, no, yeah good, good idea. A lot of content. Um, Gristalizer stuff, AGH synth, the new music thing, Spring Reverb, the Rossum Assimilator, um, I think will be starting to be shown next year. Um, that's going to be a highlight for me. Um, Rossum-based sampling power in your rack should be good fun. Excellent. Oh, thanks, Ben. So, yeah. Well, I have a great. Uh, well, I'll just go to Yad first because uh, before we say finally goodbye. So, Yad, obviously, you know, you've managed to find a window in your busy schedule to join us, which we very much appreciate. I mean, what's next for you? Uh, have you got a project you're currently working on? I mean, assuming it's stuff you can tell us about. Uh, yeah, I have quite a few. Um, always working on on several projects at the same time, and like I said, this the, this technology allows me to do that, and and it's great. You know, no longer are the the days where I had to do a mix in in one and a half days or two days, and then it's done. So it's great. I can work for two hours on one mix. Actually, I realized that the, I do the majority of work on a mix in my car or while jogging because tweaking it takes five seconds it's just 
contemplating and thinking and listening to it in the car and in the head on the phone and all that and making decisions that's what takes the majority of the time and then you come back and you tweak it in five seconds another day or a month later or whatever so yeah i'm working on on several uh, very interesting uh, projects as well as as my continuous uh, um, involvement with uh, with waves where i um yeah um develop uh, plugins and th synthesizers and one thing which i i don't i would probably regret saying it but that that steve touched um the subject of sustain and continuous and attack and things like that we actually working on something like that not like that but interesting something very interesting interesting yeah, yeah. well don't say any more because you'll have to kill us and i don't want to, i don't exactly, want that to happen exactly. um yeah, yeah. that's just quickly that's a really interesting thing so, so you think it's it's do you find it more productive to work in smaller chunks broken up over, rather than sit in front of something for hours and hours and hours um absolutely for me at this point in time i would say that you know i've i've graduated by spending years and years of 18 hours 18 hour days in front of the desk uh, coming back home you know feeling and, and looking like like an ashtray uh, sleeping for for a few hours and going coming back to the studio so i've done that for for many years and now i can enjoy the fruits of that as well as as the the the, the abilities that the technology uh, um brings so uh I, you know i don't know if i would recommend that to to someone who just who's just starting their way in in that sure. um, profession but for me it definitely works very interesting yo and it's been a pleasure having you aboard thank you very much for joining us i hope you'll be able to join us again at some point in the future and i know we talked about you know maybe getting some screens up and doing all sorts of fancy stuff your end as well but thank you very yeah, much thanks, for joining uh, us thanks for thanks for having me i really enjoyed it it's been a pleasure. And also, uh, Mr. Ben Wilson, DivKid Video, uh, yep. check him out on YouTube. Thank you for joining us as well. Uh, it's always a pleasure to have you aboard too. Yeah, thanks very much for having me. And um, yeah, just to really quickly speak to what Yoad said, I think, yeah, as much, I know you've got to put the time in and learn the gear. So if you're starting out, I, I think trying to work minimally maybe doesn't work, but um, I, it's definitely a method I find useful. A lot of listening, listening in the car, listening on the way to work. Um, like you had said, actually tweaking settings in, on a mix is, is very quick. I think if you go in with a real intention, I've been really trying to get my productivity up both, uh, both post-baby and just in general. And I think having the intention laid out before I turn anything on is the key for me right. at the minute interesting idea and keep and, and still playing around still putting time into playing and learning but keep that separate and if it's for work it's it's really intentful i'm not kind of learning on the job if that makes sense i try and keep that separate yeah i understand that ben thank you also for yours i yeah, just quickly just quickly uh if you want to enter the ozone 8 competition we're looking for the hashtag four great mixes that's f-o-r great mixes and the hashtag ozone 8 to at sonic state and at isotoping that's four great mixes and ozone 8 two hashtags to at sonic state and at isotoping to enter the competition that's it we'll see you next week thank you very much for watching that's it for this time bye-bye now